0: Welcome to the P. Primo show. It is episode 126, and we are here with Merit Khan, the CEO of Select Sales Development. And we are going to be talking about open mind closed sales. But before we do that, if you haven't bought my book, what are you waiting for? Jump on Amazon and grab it before the price changes. It's going, I think, from $12.99 to $19.99. They just changed their pricing structure. So, Grab it while you can, 101 ways to make more sales and to make more money when you make those sales. And I would like to thank our sponsor, the Mattress Industry Network Group. And if you are in the mattress business in any way, shape, or form, we want you in the group. It's a free Facebook group. Everybody's in it. You learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. We have owners of manufacturers, owners of sleep shops, uh, owners of furniture stores. We have uh, sales pros at retail in here. We have sales reps. We have VP of sales in here. If you're in the mattress industry, we want you in the group. Join us. I believe we're really close to 2,000, so... Join us now, tell them Pete uh, sent you, and make sure that you say hi to me inside the group. Merritt, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Pete. It's a pleasure to be here. When I hear open mind, closed sale, I have all kinds of thoughts going through my head. What's going through your head when you hear that?
1: Well, I've been uh, doing sales management training, coaching, consulting since 98. And one of the things that I, you know, I could do the best training in the world. I could have the most uh, open, I could have the, the best class of people who are really hanging on my every word. But the one thing that will make all the difference is that if you don't come in, To a training program or a coaching conversation or a sales call with an open mind to really hear the value and the potential solutions, it doesn't really matter. There's nothing you're going to say that would convince somebody to buy. Uh, Even if you do do that, they're going to realize it at some point and come back later and, you know, return it, cancel the deal. Uh, They've got buyer's remorse. And so I always want to make sure that. The first step to a closed deal is an open mind.
0: Yep. I I agree and you know no two customers are alike. If we really try to, I guess we could put them into various buckets if 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 that's something that somebody intellectually needs to do to to uh to go forward in a sale. I I don't feel the need to do that. Um I really just, my, my advice to all retail salespeople is to ask great questions, questions that your competitors don't ask to open up the channel of communication. Because the first thing that's going to happen when a customer walks in the store, they're reflexively going to give them the Heisman and say, just looking, right? Right. I mean, that's just reflexes, Ed. Anybody gets hung up on that, you you find find another way to make a living. Exactly. Uh, Understand that that's reflexive, and you know, ask great questions, open them up, and ask them not just what are they looking for. A lot of times they don't know what they're looking for. They might know that they. They need a mattress and they might know they need a mattress for themselves, but they've been out of the market for 10 to 20 years and we'd love for them to be replacing their mattresses every eight to 10 years, but that's not reality. It's every, uh, probably 12 to 18 years. Um, I think it's improved oh, slightly that. in my 41 years. It used to be 15 to 20 years. I think it's improved slightly, um, so, you know, you have a customer that has not been in the market and they're not comfortable with the item and they you just need to ask really great open-ended questions, questions that demand some kind of a response so that they can um, start to um, to tell you what's going on in their world. Yeah. and and, and, you know, one of the things that I've often said, and and, and you do a lot of training, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mastering silence for all salespeople is one of the most important things you're ever going to do. And being able to be, and this might be a generational thing, like the Detective Columbo, and ooh and ah, and just be quiet and let them keep talking sometimes we as salespeople feel the need to fill every bit of air with talking and introducing some silence purposely and letting it marinate a little bit so that you can get them to dig is a real gift to uncovering what the real needs are in the sale.
1: I couldn't agree with that more. Um, you know, what I always tell my clients is that the sale is happening not when the salesperson is talking. The sale is happening when you are listening. Because when you're listening, your, your prospect, your customer, your client, whatever your vernacular is, that's when they are discovering for themselves how much they need what you have. And so your, your point about, you know, being like Columbo to, to go back and use a old school reference. <laughs> um, but what he was really great at was, uh, get, letting somebody, getting somebody, uh, the pro, the, the suspect in, in those cases to bring their guard down. And once yeah. their guard was down, they were saying, they were, you know, in that situation, they were going to say something that would slip them up. In a prospect situation, that's, the, that's not the right language, but they're saying what's really true to them. They're saying what is, um, You know, it's not about convincing you that they, that, that they need something. It's, they're really going through that opportunity for themselves. So a good salesperson is, you might know the answer to a question. Let's say somebody says, you know, uh, does this mattress come, you know, in something a little bit firmer or, you know, what are the environmental aspects of this or what are the, what's the new technology in this mattress? And you may be, Let's say you're new and you act—you legitimately don't know the answers to the questions, so you might naturally say something like, "Um, I, you know what? This is a new product for us in the store. This is a new line. Let me just let me go get that answer for you. But while I'm, you know, before I go and and get that answer, tell me why is that important to you? Why, you know, you must have asked me that for a reason. Tell me a little bit more. And so, as a new salesperson, you're just naturally doing it because you legitimately don't know the answer to the technical question. Then after you've got them good training, let's say you've sold this line for a while. Now you know all the answers. So if somebody asks you a technical question, you're going to go run a, you know, give them the whole spiel. You could be talking for 20 minutes about all the things because finally somebody asked you this question that allows you to highlight all this knowledge and training you've had and you're so excited. And so you just blurt it all out. But the most important thing is what you forgot, which is to find out why they asked that question. So I like people to slow down and realize, you know, when the sales, when the, when the prospect is talking and you're getting more information that's going to get you closer to being something, you know, recommending something that's going to be really a perfect match for them. That's when you're really doing your best work in your sales role. And, and it has nothing to do with you spouting out everything you know. It has you It's all about the questions that you ask that tell somebody you are an expert at what you do.
0: Oh, that is so good, Merritt. It is so good. Remember when you were new. I just have to unpack this a little bit because it's so important. Tell me why that's important to you. That is gold. Everybody that's listening, write that down she just gave you a gold nugget that will make you hundreds of thousands of dollars in your selling career. You know, people buy for their reasons, not for our reasons, right? Yes, exactly. And that's why that question is so important. Answering a question just to answer a question, you know, it's almost like a, a tennis match. right? Right? Ask the question and you're like, so excited. Like, I finally know the answer. So I'm going to tell you everything I know. No, 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 no. Merit says no and listen to her. She's really smart on this. She's a hundred percent. Don't answer the question without finding out why that's important to them because that is going to be the key that unlocks the sale. So Just being in the business of answering questions and you're so excited when you're new that you finally know the answers. And I get it. I was there. 41 years ago when I started, I was so excited to tell everybody everything I knew. And do you know what happened when I did that? I closed about 5% of the customers I waited on. Hmm. I stopped telling them everything I knew. And I started to find out what was important to them and why. There were a lot less questions and answers and a lot more sales, folks. So this is not a situation when we're in a sales situation where you get a gold medal for proving how much you know about a product or a technology or about sleep or about a particular mattress. There is no gold medal for that. There's only this. Yeah. If you find out what's important to your customer, you're gonna more quickly find the right product for them that will give them the right outcome, which is what we should a hundred percent be focused on. Right. And when we get the right product with the right outcome for Mrs. Jones. And yes, it's Mrs. Jones most of the time. <laughs> and when we when we do that, to Merit's point that she made earlier, when we go too fast to salespeople, we can end up with returns. We can end up with canceled sales. We can end up with unfortunate and bad outcomes for both the customer and for ourselves. I'm sorry, you're itching to get back in there. That was so good. I. <laughs> wanted to unpack it a little bit, Merit, that's all.
1: Well, I, I just wanted to say that, you know, um, a lot of times when salespeople do have the knowledge, they have gone through the training, they've paid attention and they do have expertise in the product lines or, or sleep in general, just whatever the the issue is, they're excited to share what they know and they should be because they've worked hard to accomplish that level of expertise. And so, my my coaching to somebody in that situation is use your expertise to ask the best questions. The more you can get me thinking deeper about a situation that I didn't uh, that I didn't even think about before I walked in, that's how I know you're an expert. That's how I know I can trust you. So when you say to me as a customer, as a as a prospect walking in, you know, here's these five beds you know go sit go lie down on the middle one and then tell me if you want it more firm or, or more soft you know now i trust you because you've asked me some good questions up front so now when you take me down your sales path whatever your sales process is that you've learned in in training now now i'm with you and i think that's you know when i say the first step to a closed deal is an open mind creating an open mind on the in the in your prospect is first asking them a question, you know, like, you know, they say, oh, no, thanks. Just look, you know, can I help you? No, thanks. Just looking. You have to get away from that, you know, um, and, and get them to, to really be open to letting you help them, um, and really having a good conversation.
0: Open mind, open-ended question pop pops into my head, how else do we get? you know, I think that sometimes uh because Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones, they haven't shopped for a mattress in so long, and they don't really know a lot about it, and it's kind of confusing, and you know it, it's kind of funny, uh not haha, but kind of funny pathetic that when you watch certain shows there will be um it, it has become part of americana that mattress sales happen on holidays how do you know it's a holiday there's a mattress sale and <laughs> it's almost in every sitcom that it has been a big sitcom you'll see an episode that says that and, and, and so you know when i say to mrs jones You know, let's find the right product for you instead of let's find something that's 70 or 80% off and you have to get it right now or you're going to miss out on the sale. Those are two very different strategies and two very different questions. And how do we as salespeople show to customers that we care about them getting the right thing, merit? Um, I know that you train in all kinds of industries across the board. Um, how do, how do we show our heart to a customer and show that we're different than another salesperson that they just might have been at the store right down the street or across the street? And now they're coming to me. How do I demonstrate that I'm different?
1: Well, um, I, I think I actually. You know, pick that up from you. I think you have a good handle on doing that. You've probably shared this with your audience many times on previous episodes. But when I was listening to a couple of episodes of your show, you talked about, you know, really looking at what you do as you're, you're not selling mattresses. You're really improving people's lives because most people really don't have a good handle on how important sleep is and that, that trifecta of what makes us healthy. Right. So there's eating well and there's work, you know, moving your body and then there's rest. And, you know, I think to look at it and you've, you've probably heard the stories like, you know, the, the, the guys building the, you know, a church, you know, they're not just putting, they're not just laying bricks. They're building a, a temple, you know, or, or a, a place of worship that's going to, bring peace to people and so you work at a completely different level when you are when you have a higher purpose like that. And I think when you let your customers know that you're not, you know, when they walk into your store, they're not just going to get, you know, a mattress that's on sale. They're really they really have an opportunity to get the the best sleep of their lives. And and what will that sleep allow them to do, right? So I think by demonstrating that you have sort of this higher purpose to serve them, that's, and that's, it's a good segue for why I call my business Select Sales Development. You know, we actually spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T. So, it, you know, it, it's a little bit of a play on word, but we, we want you to stop selling, right? Sales is pushy, aggressive. People have a negative connotation about it. We want you to start getting selected. So when you do that, being selected is 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 because somebody feels like this is the right choice. And a lot of my work is with companies that sell things that are custom, creative, complex, it requires a consultation. So while I don't do a ton of work in, you know, traditional retail, mattress is very different. Furniture is very different. That there's a more consultative approach to that. Even though it happens often in a retail space, it's a consultative sales process. So, you know, that requires an expert. It requires Questions. It requires a very skilled sales professional, not just someone who's going to wait for somebody to walk up to the register and ring up the purchase. You know, those are nice, but that's, that's not what you need in the, on the floor of a, of a, of a retail showroom where mattresses and furniture are, are, are you know, the, the issue. So. I don't know if I answered that question, but that's that's my thought on that.
0: So one of the things that you have on your website is mindset. And I love the fact that it's before mechanics. Because if your mindset is not right, the mechanics don't matter. If, If your heart's not in the right place, if you don't want to do the right thing for your customer, you've lost. Just do me a favor, get out of sales. If your heart's not in the right place, you don't love people, you don't want to do the right thing for people, please just do me a favor. Get out, get out and stay out because, uh, you're the reason I've had to work extra hard for the last <laughs> 41 years.
1: That's um, right.
0: Yeah. Guy Danes, uh, the key, key, just have open conversation, soft sell and build trust both ways. hundred percent guy. Thank you for that. That's, uh, it's exactly what we're talking about. And, uh, trust does go both ways. And it's, it's interesting, this mindset thing, what in your mind, Merritt, is the, the most common mistake that you see with salespeople? And if you can fix that one thing, you can kind of turn the entire ship around
1: boy there's there's so much to unpack in this question Pete I think first of all you know you hear the word mindset and all of a sudden we're we we mostly go to all right so what am I supposed to like learn how to meditate or is that <laughs> positive affirmations on my mirror I mean like what exactly do I do to work on mindset like I think I have a good attitude but then sometimes I don't have a good attitude like what what is mindset really and what I've observed over the course of my career you know, career, is that mindset comes down to three categories. There's three different aspects to it. And you may have strengths in all three. You may have some gaps in one. And so when I, first of all, when I talk about mindset, mechanics, motion, those are the three things you need to be successful in anything that you sell or anything that, any role that you play, bar none, right? You have to have, you know, it's about what what you think, it's about what you say, and it's about what you do. So mindset, what you think, comes down to three parts. And that's your internal mindset. That's what you say to yourself. There's your behavioral mindset. That's what your actions say to other people. And then there's your emotional mindset. And that's really how well you understand your own emotions, what triggers you, um, and, and the impact that you have on other people. So it's when, you know, there are many things that we can measure and assess these days to determine the strength of somebody's uh success mindset. And those would be things like your level of optimism, but also balanced with a sense of reality, your level of empathy for others, but also balanced with a sense of assertiveness. And there's There's fifteen different things that we can we can measure and track when we when it comes to someone's emotional mind. and to to get to your your question, I think the thing that really uh, sabotages people without them ever even knowing it is that when we have gaps in our emotional mindset, then all the things that we've learned in terms of the mechanics of selling, the mechanics of communication, um, customer service, all of those good things, all of the product knowledge we have, kind of falls through the gaps, and and it's not there at the top of your mind when you need it because you are you're not assertive or you're not you're not empathetic and you're not bonding with somebody and so those things are very hard for us to self assess and. Unless you do some sort of outside assessment, work with somebody, uh, like me who's certified in, in helping you understand your level of empathy and assertiveness being out of balance is hurting your sales. And here's why. And so then you have something concrete. Now you know, Oh, okay. So how do I, how can I be more assertive without turning that into being aggressive? Um, maybe an example would help. Sure. So, uh, even though we're I think we're all you know brain dead from examples on the pandemic, it still is a really good uh, you know universal shared experience. So, I remember when things started, and my my clients were calling me and saying, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, how do I sell in a pandemic? And I'm like, well, let me think back to the last pandemic I was in, which was never. So, like, I didn't know either, but <laughs> but I do know. That empathy and assertiveness being in balance serves you. And when they're out of balance, it sabotages you. So I had two, I had clients in basically two camps. Some of them were calling. Maybe you made some of these calls to your customers. Maybe you received some of the calls from your vendors that said, Hey, I'm just checking in. How are you? Um, anything I can do for you? How is everybody? Right? They're demonstrating high empathy, but then they have a, a solution. But they don't even recommend it because they're all like, I don't know. I think I should just lean into my empathy. So that wasn't helping sales. Then you had on the other side of the fence, people who were super assertive, but with very little empathy for others. And it was like the pandemic wasn't even happening for them. You know, they were just calling because they had their numbers to make. Hey, so that deal we talked about last week, are we still doing that? And you're like, do you, do you, do you have a TV? Like, have you? there's a thing happening now, (laughs) like, what? And it seemed so out of place. So what I just encouraged my clients to do was wherever they were at, I wanted them to be in balance. So the conversation would start like this and I would say, look, first of all, I just wanted to check in. How's everyone on your team, your family? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Blah, 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 have that conversation. You know, look, with all the things that are so completely out of our control right now, Are you open to having a conversation about the one thing that we can control? And that is the inventory in your store. This is at some point, this is going to, you know, we're going to be back to normal. How, you know, like, let's talk about what you need, right? Or how else can you, how else can we help you serve your customers without the, the contact, right? So you can be empathetic with someone and still assert that you have a solution that can solve at least one of their problems. And that's a good example of how when you understand those three aspects of your mindset and you know very specifically what your where your strengths are and your gap areas, then you can close those gaps and the training that you've learned will be right on top where you need it most.
0: Mm. You can't help yourself, Merritt, but Give us these gold nuggets. Are you open to, blah blah blah? Question mark. Is this pure so- solid gold? If you, as a salesperson, are not including this, um, this is great for a hundred different situations, but it's most important when you're trying to stretch their vision. So customer comes in, they were looking at memory foam mattresses, they want to see your memory foam mattresses, you show them their memory foam mattresses, they're not so excited about any of your memory foam mattresses, feels like to you like you're losing the sale. Are you open to looking at mattresses that have memory foam and coil, both? Are you open to looking at another technology, whether that be air or latex? Are you open to, should be in every retail salesperson's uh, toolkit? And if you are a sales rep, you this is literally what you will build your career on. Are you open to? Because you're constantly trying to shift Store owners' perspectives and show them something that's new, something that's different. And if you don't get good at saying, Are you open to and not hopping from one foot to the other when you say it, say it the way Merritt said it with confidence and it's solid gold.
1: Well, and let me tell you, let's unpack why that works first sure. of all. Because what if I were to say to you, um, are you interested in seeing a mattress with memory foam and coil? What's what could be your response?
0: Yes or no, right? And nope. no conversation.
1: Yeah, there. So you know, it's easy for me to say no. I'm not really interested in that. That doesn't that doesn't say anything about who I am. People want to identify as somebody who is open minded. In fact, there was a study done out of. Uh, Pepperdine University. It was a number of years ago. And they asked people, do you consider yourself open-minded? And 95% of respondents said yes. That's a lot. Uh, And then they asked, do you consider yourself more open-minded than the average person? And the same 95% said yes. Now, I don't know about you, Pete, but when I learned math in the old days... (laughs) 95% of us could not be better than the average. Just the math just doesn't work. Maybe new math. I don't know. I don't know how that goes today. But that's not a thing. So, but here's what's interesting from that and what we can learn from, you know, about the psychology of that is that we want to be perceived as open-minded. That's why if you ask, are you interested in, then... Uh, you know, it's easy for me to say, no, I'm not interested in that. I can sleep well at night. I'm still a good person, right? It doesn't have anything to do with me. It's very, it's removed from who I am in terms of my identity. If you ask me, am I open to something? And I say, no, now I'm admitting I'm a closed-minded person and 95% of us don't want to do that. So it's a- That is awesome. It's, it. there's a lot of psychology baked into those four words, are you open to?
0: Yeah, that is just solid gold. Thank you so much. Stu, what do you got here? Stu Segura. Pete and Merritt, I have an employee who is low energy, and half the time I see him, he just looks almost depressed. I've been working with him a while, and I'm wondering if you have any tips on passion I have some definite thoughts, but I'm going to let Merritt go first. Um, I just want to ask one quick question. I know there's a slight delay here, Stu. Okay. He, yeah, that was one of the questions I wanted to know. And thank you for letting me know. So he's young. So we've got a 19 year old male and how long is a while? How long have you been working with this gentleman? Uh, Merit, I'm going to let you uh, start with this and you'll probably say everything I was going to say. So I probably won't say anything.
1: Well, um, first of all, thank you for that question. Thank you for the type of owner you are to, to recognize that in somebody who works for you and to acknowledge your concern about him uh you know would be so easy for you to just you know like why isn't the guy selling mattresses but you're looking at below the surface so i i know a little bit about you just from the the type of concern that you have to ask that question I um my you. first thing would be to check in with him just in a in a mental health capacity because um you know low passion is you know could be a a consequence of, of depression. And I think that, uh, you know, that's certainly outside the realm of my expertise, but I do feel that, um, when you recognize that somebody doesn't have passion, it may be that there's, you know, it's just not passion for the industry or the job. That's always a possibility and don't take that personally. Um, but it, it, I think the the opportunity you have as an owner, particularly for a young person, just getting started in things would be to take him aside somewhere private, maybe even off site and just say, hey, I just wanted to check in with you. Um, you know, if, if I don't know if he never showed passion or if he had passion, you saw it wean off. And so I might just say, you know, I'm just curious. I'm not sure if this is something that You know, if it's just the job, it just doesn't feel like exciting for you. Um, But I'm just curious, tell me about some of the things that you are passionate about in life. I'm just, you know, I want to get to know you better. I want to see if I can help you. Maybe I can, you know, maybe there's something we can do. Sometimes it's an incentive contest. Like if he's passionate about music and you know his favorite band and they happen to be coming in town, maybe there's a, a contest that gets him excited or some incentive. Um If it's really just a low grade, like there's just low passion there, I, I would definitely try to find out what areas of life do excite him and what you could do to make this job feel a little bit more like something he's excited about. And he probably won't have the right answers because he's 19. And I feel like I know that because my son is 19 and I'm not seeing a lot of passion there either. <laughs> Unless it's, <laughs> you know, video games or his friends. But part of that may just be he's just not sure yet about what his passions are in life. I just think the most important thing you can do now that I'm talking this through is not a question I get asked often, but. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think the best thing you can do is just let him know you're in his corner. Let him know you see him. Let him know you care. And, and I think like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, questions are your best strategy here. Um, you're not going to talk somebody out of depression or low passion, but you can ask them out of it. So don't act as if you have all the right answers. Ask as if you want them. Ask questions, to check in with them. That's, that's my answer.
0: Stu, you are so lucky because um, you are going to have two completely different things here. <laughs> so, and that's good. It's really good. That, that is, that's the beauty of a podcast in my mind. Two different people with different experience that can give you different angles. Well, here, let's, Stu says, I believe it's internal for him. Nothing to do in my place. I think he is just like that, even not here, torn between coaching and the other option. Okay, I'm going to come at this a completely different way. And I want to say this, Stu, um, I agree a thousand percent with everything Merit just said, okay? But I'm going to tell you about my experience. I had no passion. I did not want to be in sales. I did not find my passion for the sales that I was trained to do until I understood and connected the dots that I could change someone's life. If I change how somebody wakes up pain-free and happy, that they can be a better mother, a better father, a better son, a better daughter, a better student, a better worker. That When I figured that out, Stu, that changed my life. But I'm going to tell you this. I was getting apps. And the reason I know I was getting Fs is because I was being put into stores and trained with people that my father-in-law knew and I was getting a report card on a weekly basis. All right? And finally, you know, we had a come to Jesus talk and my father-in-law said, Pete, if you're in a parking lot, Before you walk into that store, pick up the piece of paper. If there's something that's not done in that store that needs to be fixed, fix it. Pretend like that store is yours because what I'm hearing is you don't care. I'm hearing that you don't care and that you barely do your sales job and you don't care what's going on in the store. Well, my head was swimming, Stu. My head was swimming. I didn't no a fool from a queen. I didn't know memory foam from a coil. I I I my head was literal. I was in literal information overload. I could barely absorb what I, I was absorbing. And it paralyzed me. Now I gotta tell you something, Stu. I was not a guy who was used to failing at anything. I got good grades in college. I was a two-time All-American in football. I was an absolute stud in everything that I've ever done. And now I'm failing in sales. And I was paralyzed, absolutely paralyzed. Because you know why? Because I wanted to be perfect, Stu. And I wasn't perfect. And I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I didn't even know what I was supposed to know. So I don't know if that's part of it. I love what Merritt said. Ask him about what he's passionate about and let him show you some passion. And if he can't show you some passion about anything, even if he is passionate about video games, I would be fairly well excited trying to figure out how I can make video games like selling mattresses. But if somebody, there is such a thing, Stu, as somebody who just has no energy, and they, to Merritt's point, they could have serious psychological problems. And you ended up with them. That's not something you can train, and that's not something you can coach. But if somebody's in information overload, um, there's a lot you can do. There's there's a lot you can do. And the things that Merritt said is. You know, showing him that you care about him, number one, as a person, will allow him to open up to you. And if someone would have said that to me, I would have just started crying. And I would have said, I just, I'm learning so much so fast and I just can't put it all in my mind. And it took me a while to get comfortable. And it took longer than five months to. I'm just going to tell you that. It took longer than five months, um, but I had lots of energy and I had lots of passion. I didn't show any energy or passion because I was in constant overload. So that's my two cents. And I think that the more I unpack this, the more I come over to Merritt's side on on this. I, I, I become very, very concerned, Stu, when people say the other option and sometimes it's necessary and sometimes it, the best thing you can do is free somebody to go do and be who they should be and and what they should do and and follow their true passion um i've been blessed in that i could find passion in what i do for a living and so i don't work it's I, I visit my friends i show them how to make money with my products And I get paid an insane amount of money to do it. And I can't believe I get paid for what I do. But that's me. But I am telling you, when I was 22 years old, I was not the guy that you see here. It's not that guy. I was confused. I was showing a a lot of the same symptoms that you're seeing. So... Merit, I see you're kind of chomping at the bit. So yeah, merit, I, merit, merit, merit. has something to say here.
1: I have two more things, and I think you know, it, um, for everybody else who's listening, who may not be quite in that same situation, the these two ideas are are kind of universal. Whether somebody is low energy, low passion, or you know, highly high off the charts and and killing it. Um. So one, I just want to piggyback on what you said. With um, you said tr- there was some something that triggered for me, like having a sense of ownership and um i remember a number of years ago i spoke for the national association of convenience stores so i do a lot of keynote speaking large audiences and and to prepare for that event i visited a number of different convenience stores to find out like what are some of these best practices and and who are the people who are passionate about these jobs that are not sexy and you know just you know, it's like working in a convenience store. It's like not a sexy thing to do for most people. Um, but I found certain stores and uh, there were a couple of different brand names. I won't out them at the moment, but that just, it was it was rampant. Like their people just weren't doing anything. The store was messy. Like people just didn't seem to care. And then there were a couple of outstanding stores. And what was interesting once I, talked with the owner and I let them know who I was and that I was doing some, you know, undercover field research and I was going to be at this, you know, speaking at their national conference. And uh, that's when I learned that in one store that was, that stood out in particular, each employee had a, had a, had a space in the store that they were accountable for. And so the, the guy who was accountable for the coffee bar, it was spotless. There wasn't a thing out. Of, there wasn't a straw out of place, and he got a sense of ownership and passion from making sure his area was top notch all the time. Well, you know, the supplies were all there, all the things, right? And somebody else was responsible for, you know, floors or whatever it was. And so that might be something like I want you to be the subject matter expert, the go-to guy for this one product. Don't worry about all the other things. But when when any of our People have a question. We're going to bring them over to you and you're going to be the answer guy for this. And that builds a sense of confidence, like one line at a time, one product at a time. So that would be one thing. The other thing I think I would say, and this comes from, uh, I'm also a stand up comedian. I wrote a one woman comedy show. I, I perform that even my, even in my keynotes that I do for, you know, very stuffy corporate audiences. (laughs) I perform it as a, as a comedy show. So you get your lessons, but it's wrapped in comedy. And the reason for that is because laughter lightens the load you hold. So maybe this 19-year-old kid possibly needs some more laughter in his life. Start the day, start your meetings with a joke of the day. Put on a YouTube c- clip of a comedy from dry bar or something clean for appropriate for the office or, you know, just like ask them, okay, who's your favorite comedian? You know, in our Monday huddle, uh, every, we're going to rotate. We're going to, you know, listen to each other's favorite comedy. I just want to lighten the load because when you are laughing, it's hard to feel stressed out. Those two can't exist simultaneously. And there's some, there's so much happening in, in our body, and chemically, that laughter, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. If you're in a car accident, not the best medicine. You probably need other medicine for that. But laughter is a universal, good, endorphin-free, you know, no evil side effects drug. And we should all take a lot more of it.
0: Stu, listen to Merit. I think she's got she's got this. (laughs) Tell some jokes, lighten the load, sit down, talk to him. Do you feed him? Have you fed him? Have you found out what his favorite food is?
1: Hey, is he sleeping on a good mattress? That's what I want to (laughs) know.
0: How appropriate. (laughs) You know, we can always go through the basics, you know, describe the job, define the job, model the behaviors, the metrics, consistent feedback, what you're asking is, should I invest that before I find out about this other piece? And 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 I I think you're wise, Stu, to try to find out if if the basics are there. So really, just follow exactly what Merritt said on this, um, and probably. Doing it off-site is a great way to to do it. Hey, let's grab something to eat after we close the store and you know, over some nachos or whatever the food of choice is, um, start having some conversations and find out more about him and what he's excited about, what he and see if there's any passion in any area of his life. That would be very good to know. So great question, thanks, Stu. So, Merit, somebody's been watching this show and they're like, I like her. I want to get in touch with her. And, you know, I I think my salespeople could use some training and I think they could use some laughs at the same time. And I think you're the perfect person. Yes, I try to feed him one to t- two times a week. Good. Perfect. Uh, um, is he passionate about food? <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry, Merit.
1: No, that's fine. Best way to get in touch with me. So the the website is the the hub of all things. So it's Merit K-H-N. And Merit is just like a certificate of. Um, and so if you go there on the top right, there's a Let's Talk button. Everything else that you would click on on the site, lead magnets, all the things are basically just to funnel so that we can get to a conversation. But if you just shortcut that, hit the let's talk button, grab some time on my calendar. Let's have a conversation. How can I help? That's, I'm just going to ask you a lot of questions. So be prepared. (laughs) Um, But it may be that we are a match. It may be that we're not a match, but if I can help in some way, I'm all about the conversation. So I would say just start there.
0: Awesome. So as we're closing out our time together, Merit, is there a part of open mind closed sale that we have not covered that we should kind of clean up after?
1: Oh my. Um, I think we covered a, a quite a bit of it. I mean, we could, we could probably do a whole nother episode on the mechanics of selling or being in motion. Um, I would just say that, you know, the, the most important thing is, you know, it's not just about opening someone else's mind. To be open to hearing your offers and your value, I think one of the hardest things that we have to do in as in a, a sales role and as business owners, those of you who are listening in that in that area arena, is to keep our own minds open that there are new possibilities for us to thrive beyond where we are. Um, and so the other question in addition to are you open to, the other question I would encourage you to ask other people as well as yourself is, have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? And I think that's a great question um, for many people in many different industries. And and I think this is true in your industry as well. Um, first quarter was a, a bit of a shock. And um, I've talked to a lot of businesses that had uh, some downturns in first quarter. And so at the time of this recording, here we are at the end of June 2023. And you know, my question to people is, if the first half of the year went exactly how you want, then ask yourself that question, have I already decided it can't get any better? Or am I open to a new possibility that could get better second half of the year? And if first quarter isn't what you want to repeat, and you need a dramatic shift to make your results a lot different than what you experienced in the beginning of this year, then I ask you that same question. And so first you have to decide, I'm, I do think there is a possibility. I am open to the possibility that things can get better. Now with that mindset, we can get to work. Okay, what are the mecha- what's the mindset mechanics in motion? What are the pieces that need a slight shift or a major overhaul? Or what, what can we do to be in action? But if you just jump into action and you haven't really gone through that thought process and committed that you're open to a new possibility and that your team is, right? You got to ask your team that question. And, you know, that's really the foundation that every other change that you make will rest on.
0: I want to say something to business owners right now. Um, If you have not brought in a consultant like Merit, I want you to think about it very, very hard because what you're surrounded by, for the most part, unless you're really, really, truly blessed and you have some exceptionally strong personalities around you, you're surrounded by yes men and yes women. You're surrounded by people who want to please you people who want to say what they think you want to hear. Here's the danger. You need to hear what you don't want to hear, and there's nothing better in the world than to bring in somebody from outside of your business who has a fresh perspective, not even in your industry, fresh eyes, fresh ears, and can help you shift your perspective and see things that you can't see because you've been around your business too long and you don't see the small changes that when they're all added over the years become big changes and you might have veered off course unknowingly. Hmm. And a really talented consultant, which I obviously think merit is or she wouldn't be on the show and she's demonstrated to you in the past hour they can ask you a few questions that nobody would dare ask you to really get those wheels turning so i would encourage you if things aren't going the way that you want them to go reach out bring a consultant in and merit is here right now um you know go to our website and book some time for an initial call and see if you can't get the ball moving in the right direction. You know, I was talking to a uh retailer who's 40% up over last year. Now, they do everything right. I mean, they are like the perfect retailer. And none of I couldn't do it as good as they do it. Um, but there's a lot of stores that are down right now. Most stores are down, but here you got one forty percent up and you've got other people that are up. So you have to ask yourself, what can I improve on? What can I do better? Merit, you have been an absolute delight. I loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for digging in on Stu's question. I think you gave him some really great Great advice there, and Stu, please uh, let us know how how that all worked out for you. Merritt, you get the last word before we say goodbye.
1: I'm just honored to be here. Um, I I learned a lot from listening to your previous episodes, uh, so I I appreciate uh, the opportunity to to chat with you. You definitely are somebody who cares about their audience very much. It's it's very evident, and uh, it's just a pleasure to know you. So thanks.
0: Thanks, Merritt. Have a great day, guys. Have fun and sell a million.